and welcome to episode 13 of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com, and we're here to discuss all things American football again this week. Do we have to? We, we do, unfortunately, G, yeah. Um, for, for those uh, who, who, who uh, perhaps this is the first time you've, you've had a listen to the uh, the podcast, G is quite a big Bengals fan, uh, and when I say quite a big, I don't know of anyone who's more of a Bengals fan. Um, yeah, not a great week for the Bengals, but we'll we'll, we'll get onto that in a little while. Between music and football, it's been a rough few days. But yes, we shall bring the energy and the fun. That's it, exactly. For the news, then we'll we'll start kicking off by uh, looking at the uh, have a, a bit of an update on the coaching changes. So we talked last week about Black Monday and those uh, those changes and those those coaches who'd had their marching orders uh, over that weekend. Um, so there's been a bit of a uh, bit of movement now. So the first one, I think, um, for. for me, obviously, as a big Dolphins fan, uh, we've hired uh, Adam Gase, the uh, the former Chicago Bears offensive coordinator. Um, he's been QB coach for the Broncos and Peyton Manning. Uh, he's only 37 years old, so he's very, very young for a head coach. And I honestly don't know that much about him, if I'm honest. No, I mean, I'm aware of his work um, over the last few seasons because he's been working under John Fox first, as you said, with Manning and then Jay Cutler. And he seems to have been impressing everybody with what he's done. And certainly players have been highly spoken about him having all the answers when they've gone to him and clearly he's impressed the um, staff at the Dolphins it was quite a quite an interview process if you had a chance to listen to I'm trying to remember who it was but somebody was talking about all kinds of stuff he was going to have to in terms of you know roster breakdowns interviews all sorts of things so Mm. um, you don't get these jobs by chance but the interesting thing is that he's sort of established himself as having the ability to run an offense and work, has a reputation of being very good at working with quarterbacks, but this is the first time he's ever been a head coach, and a head coaching job is a very different job to being a coordinator. Yeah, he, he interviewed a few places, didn't he? It wasn't just the Dolphins that he was at; he was one of the uh, one of the names that was being touted around at a few places. So, uh, he's, I mean, he's obviously got something going for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing for me, though, is is this thing that a head coach doesn't isn't as involved day to day in their side of the ball as you might possibly think given the amount of things that they have to do and the amount of press and it will be interesting to see if at this age what he chooses to surround himself whether he tries to get some few experienced heads in um, or whether he tries to surround himself with young dynamic coaches and how that the interaction of that works as he pulls the staff together but um I think I think it could be a good hire, but there's never any real way to tell. Probably not even necessarily even the first year. It can take a couple of years to to really put your stamp on a football team, particularly um, with free agency and draft as it is. So, uh, mm. watching brief as usual. That's it. And he's he's like you say he's had quite a lot of experience in terms of the uh, offense coordinators and and being a, a QB coach especially. So it might be it might be just what uh, just what Tannehill needs, and we we certainly need need something uh, to, to get going for him you certainly need to get the development of Tannehill as your quarterback yeah. back on track that's for certain that's it well um, someone else that's been uh, tatted around a couple of places Tom Coughlin as we say obviously he left the uh, Giants last week um, he's been given permission to talk to the, both the Eagles and the 49ers um, interesting couple of places for him to land I think yeah I don't think he actually needs permission because reti- he left by or sort of it's not retired, obviously, but um, left by mutual yeah. consent of the Giants. I don't think they can stop him going to the Eagles, but um, I think it was Tuck who was was basically going, no, please, no, not the Eagles. <laughs> not a lot of love lost there. I'm curious to see where he would go just in the, um, at 69. You're not sure if he you really want to put him in charge of, of like a multi-year rebuild job, and that's a lot where 
the places are looking for coaches, there's, they're, they're all pretty much in a mess, and there's not a lot that you you could see a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, unless Detroit pu- pull the trigger and maybe get rid of theirs, and and they would seem to be coming together at the end of the season. But a lot of them need quite a lot of work. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the Browns as well have uh, have just taken on a new coach, haven't they? Yes, um, I mentioned last week on the blog that Hugh Jackson was off interviewing with the Browns um, after the um, playoff loss, and um, he's yeah, he's just been announced as head coach again. Um, really good as a coordinator, he was he went eight and eight, I believe, when he had the last chance at the Raiders. But um, it's been I want to know how interested he is in analytics because obviously with the changes they've had in the off-season in the front office that seems yeah. to be the direction and how much control he'll have over the personnel uh, be fun finding out what his preferences are for defense and we'll just have to see how it goes he's a very well-spoken man i'm a big fan of his um the it's interesting that that marvin lewis is having all these problems with uh winning a playoff game and there's even been some question about his job and we'll get to that later i'm sure but but his coaching tree is suddenly really quite strong when you've got zimmer doing well in the playoffs at the vikings you've got gruden taking uh washington into the playoffs now you've mm. got hugh jackson um the current defensive coordinator gunther's been out interviewing for jobs as well so um lots of coaching turnover and lots of of, of good coaching you've just taken vance joseph our secondary yeah Coach yeah. as, as defensive coordinator, and he's been heralded as as one of the up and coming young coaches. So could be a good move for you guys. And so more changes at, at the Bengals in terms of coaches, but certainly even if if the own the team isn't quite taking that next step into playoffs, it certainly doing must be doing something that people like. Yeah, well, that, that's it. I mean, we might as well touch on it now. Then, just what in terms of the uh, purely as a question for you as a, as, a, as a big Bengals fan, in terms of Mar- uh, Marvin Lewis, what do you think? Do you think he could be in trouble? Do you think he's he's going to get another season? What, what All the indications are he's got another season on his contract. Uh, Mike Brown is a very patient owner. And all the indications are that um, it's going to be that he's going to get to take the other uh, another year. Well, someone else who is going to be uh, moving on, moving on to the uh, seamlessly to the second news item, just to quickly cover this one. Something that catch my eye was uh, RG three leaving Washington. Um, Robert Griffin the uh, third, he's left the Redskins. Um, second overall draft pick of the 2012 draft, a really good couple of uh, first couple of seasons. Um, not so good. Uh, the season before last, and then only only kind of I think it was only only active for 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 one game this year. Interesting one, seeing as we were saying about uh, a few podcasts ago, we were saying there's not that many uh, decent quarterbacks flying around. The thing, I mean, I guess the big headline about all of this is that you know we're what three seasons into his career now, yeah. and if you remember all the things that Washington gave up to draft him. They had that one rookie season where he looked really good, and then you know they had injuries. They weren't running the defense. Sorry, they weren't running the offense for him. Um, and there's some questions about his frame and whether, um, if you look at his legs, he's um, quite thin, and they're worried that just he's not robust enough to play as a running quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, like I said, he had a really good start to his career. Um, looked like he was going to be going to be really promising, but just couldn't quite keep it up for that couple of seasons. And and like you say, with the, with his potential injury um, injury status or, or injury vulnerability, should we say? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one to see whether he ends up getting a, uh, a a starting role anywhere, or if he's going to just be a, a a solid backup. I think I think he's going to get a chance somewhere. 
Uh, well, mm. probably as a backup, I would imagine he'll certainly be in a camp somewhere competing, come training camp time. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the summer. But whilst he's not exactly Johnny Manziel, obviously there were a lot of problems with sort of what was coming out of the locker rooms. Some talk about his social media presence, and I would imagine this will have been quite a humbling season for him. And I always root for guys because I want more good players in the league and. Blimey, we need more quarterbacks. So, oh, you know, you want him to turn it round and you hope that he goes somewhere that can make use of him. But part of that is also he's he's got to be put in a system where some combination of his movement skills and his throwing skills can be put to best use. But the, well, the worry for me is that you wouldn't want to run him too much because you wouldn't get him pounding. But maybe some kind of Chip Kelly option where the read option or an element of read option was there but they didn't use it that regularly but it was used just enough that they had to wander the threat that he could take off would enable him to stay in the league long enough to learn to be a pocket passer because eventually almost all quarterbacks have to make that transition if they're going to have anything more than a few years in the league moving on to another uh, another news story and, and again more people moving on um, the Rams will be moving on they're going to be uh, playing in LA this year They've the uh, owner's meeting happened on uh, Tuesday um yeah the Rams and Stan Kroenke's option has been has been chosen as the one to uh, to go with yeah there's an awful lot of political maneuvering going on with this and it sort of feels like the only winners really here are the rich people who are going to make more money out of this um the St. Louis are probably the the city that put together like the most coherent plan and amount of money public money to to actually keep the team the steering committee of the NFL were were favouring the other proposal with sort of the Raiders and the Chargers sharing uh, Carson, Carson, yes. California. But um, the NFL seems to it seems to have been um, it was a private vote, but it seems to be Jerry Jones came up with some kind of plan of his talk about an NFL campus as part of this, and so yeah, the Rams are definitely moving and there's been an offer made to the Chargers yeah it, it just all feels I mean, you feel sorry for the fans in the cities that are there there's been questions certainly about the amount of support in St. Louis and Chargers in terms of just quantity of people but you feel ever so sorry for a team for a city that's losing their team it feel I mean at least with the Rams they have a history there and you know the LA Rams is something that you know we've had before and we understand um I don't want to lose the Chargers powder blues. <laughs> it's one of my favourite kits, but it's just... They might, they it might just feels it. odd. It's such a weird concept as well for us over here because we don't do this franchise thing. You know, our sports teams, for the most part, are tied into the com- community. It's a real it's a real sense mm. of place. Okay, we've got hundreds and hundreds of uh, more football clubs. There aren't just 32 in the nation. You know, no. we've got four professional leagues of football and... and so it seems to be much more tied into a place and this idea of a franchise that can move just feels still feels odd even though I I've followed the NFL for years and so I've seen the, the Cleveland Browns move to to Baltimore become the Ravens and you know we have Browns 2.0 and and I've seen the Rams move to LA and back again and and sort of Oakland have been in LA before and I at least heard of the LA Rams but yeah. you know you look at the black hole in Oakland and you think surely there's got to be a way to make it work with that with the craziness and the support their fans in Oakland and a lot of this is really unpleasant for me just in for, for demanding these are millionaires and billionaires really billionaires you you don't 
you're not just sort of rich. You are insanely wealthy if you own an American football franchise. And yet they're mm. demanding public money to build a stadium so that they can make more money. Yeah, it's a bit of a flawed concept for me. But uh, yeah, well, it's, it's it's obviously something that the that the league are happy to happy to go with because otherwise they wouldn't they wouldn't be moving at all. Yeah, I mean, let's face facts. They are a billion dollar corporation. They could, you know, and they're offering like a three hundred million starter payment for these for these franchises moving. Mm. I'm thinking. If you were serious about committing to a city, then then you could find that money somewhere. But, but you know, the other problem is they haven't had a team in LA for twenty years, and it's a huge media market, and they'd quite like a West Coast team of their own to support. But yeah. they didn't sustain it before. No, well, they, even the team who who didn't who doesn't move will end up with it getting a I think it's a grant of a hundred million dollars for to, for work on their stadium, which is which is a crazy amount of money, absolutely crazy. But it potentially paves the way. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, potentially paves the way. Uh, for a, a London franchise, do we think? Sorry to start the rumour mill. I don't know. I'm still not <laughs> convinced. I think they're still going through the motions. Haven't we got three games in a row for the first time this year? It's not three games in a row, but it's three within the same month. I think there's a week between the first and second games. Right. So you know they're, they're still trying. To, they're still testing in theory. I'm still not convinced by a London franchise just because some of the the logistical issues of having a team based over here that needs to play a 16-game schedule with eight games against teams based in the States where they have to travel to the States and bring their seven different opponents and the agreements and that. I just, I do, I'd still just see an expansion to what's played over here, but basically it being an international series of however many games we get, and mm. we're very lucky to have the ones that we get, but you know, you know that that may well increase, and we can keep selling them out. But I'm just still not entirely sold on the idea of a London franchise. Well, we'll have to keep a uh, keep an eye on it. I don't know. There, there were, there's a lot of uh, people saying, "Oh well, we can't have a London franchise till we've got one in LA," and now uh, they might have two. So yeah, we'll keep an eye. <laughs> Over here. Right, so wildcard week is now officially over. We're going into the uh, divisional games this uh, this week. So let's have a look back at these wildcard games. First one was on Saturday night, and it involved the Chiefs and the Texans. Uh, Kansas City absolutely handed one to the Houston Texans. Um, Texans were hosting the game, but it ended up uh, 30 points to nothing to the Kansas City Chiefs, who now, I must say, are my favourites to win. I really, really would like to see the uh, the Chiefs get through to at least to the Super Bowl. That would be fantastic. Um, but Texans really fell apart, um, But the, the, and the Chiefs' defence looked, uh, looked, looked very, very, very impressive. Five turnovers from Hoyer as well. Four interceptions and a, and a fumble loss. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people talking about the fact that this game was won inside eleven seconds, um, and obviously, <laughs> pretty much, obviously, the opening, you know, the opening kickoff return going for a touchdown certainly helps your team's efforts. But it certainly does. It was an impressive performance by the Chiefs. We've been talking about their defense for a number of weeks. Um, it was a combination of very good play by them, some poor play from Hoyer, but sort of he was on the back foot from the get-go and that Texans offense has been short of weapons other than Hopkins who is a phenomenal receiver but having lost Foster you know they're back to you know second string running backs second string receivers Mm. and they lost their their pro bowl left tackle and it was just pressure and he, he, he made one or two just horrible throws and then others that were altered by pressure fumbled the ball and it was it was more than even JJ Watt with you know some kind of back and groin problem to go with his you know broken hand this season it's just been the, the Texans did really well to get into this game but it was just one game too many yeah um, I mean like you say they the, the Texans struggled because they didn't have that many uh, many 
um, targets for for Hoyer, but neither offense really made a lot through the through the air. Uh, Hoyer just 100, 136 yards. Alex Smith wasn't much better, one hundred ninety yards from seventeen completions. Not a uh, not not a great not a great day for either of them. It's been actually relatively standard. Um, um, the the offense isn't really predicated on Alex Smith throwing for a lot of yards. Um, no, he got. He's surprisingly good at scrambling and picked up 27 yards of his own. They sort of piece together a running game by committee at the moment, but they do enough and they're efficient enough to get the points. Um, Santos mm. is a really good kicker, actually, and wasn't necessarily needed this game, it being indoors and do- in a dome. But um, given the the situation we've seen in some of the other games, you know, having, a, having that good a kicker is obviously a help. And their special teams are good and it's just been a really good solid all-round team no the offense isn't isn't spectacular but it does enough one player who did have a good game on the offense though uh before the chiefs was the the receiver of, of the vast majority of alex smith's yards was uh travis kelsey uh the chief's tight end yes um he, he's he's one of those tight ends that that doesn't produce it every week in week out just because of a game plan but he is He's very good at yards after the catch as well as mm. catching the ball. And yeah, a favourite target of Alex Smith, who who traditionally, as we know, has thrown a lot of dink and dunk and under under, under routes to um, running backs and tight ends. Yeah, well, it's a, it was a good game. Um, like I say, JJ Watt went down with a groin injury in the third. Um, so did uh, Jeremy Macklin uh, for the Chiefs as well. He had a knee injury. Um, so both both teams were kind of without uh, some, of the, some of the bigger players. But yeah, like you say, I think... The Chiefs' defense won the uh, won the day for this one. I think they they uh, won the game for, uh, for for them. I think pretty much um, what O'Brien was thinking, putting an, an already injured JJ Watt in in the red zone, yeah. and then getting to run the ball. It was it was odd. Not a great choice. No. Well, the second game uh, we're going to have to talk about it. Jay, I'm sorry. Uh, the second game of the uh, of the wildcard weekend uh, was the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, as you probably already know, the uh, the Steelers uh, were the victors on this one, eighteen points to sixteen. Um, Bengals will feel unlucky, I think, with how the game ended up. I know um, it took it took the Bengals a little bit of time to get into the game, but once you were there, I think you really will. Uh, feel a bit unlucky with 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 how the the game ended. There are certain players that. Um... Um, feel unlucky um, but they didn't finish and in a way they brought it on themselves because <sighs> there was just a lack of discipline and key points but also yeah. the game wasn't handled well by the refs and I'm not making excuses um, I'm not going after the Steelers necessarily either however you've got one coach yanking the dreadlocks of, of, of one player on the sideline and you mm. know opposition's because of the sidelines of a number of players and how busy they are, you see all the time a player go out of bounds into the opposition, and that was ridiculous. You've got that was, that was the, Mike Munchak, wasn't it, on Reggie Nelson? Yeah, and then at the end of a game, you've got the the perfect hit, which I'm not sure it's quite as head hunting as some people have said. You know, there's been people saying they could have killed him, but I feel sorry for defensive players because they're put in this position where if he'd gone low. They'd have yeah. had a go at him about trying to take him out injury and going for the legs. Um, if he wasn't going to catch the ball, he could have got out of it. It's that fine line with an edge, and I'm just not sure with Burfitt. You you need to... I'm not sure how you reach him, because he has a history. And they're, they're, they're refing the history as much as the play, but the play sort of makes you deserve it, if you see what I mean. It's not... Mm. 
It's not the worst one I've seen, but I don't actually argue with the call. I would argue no. that Shazir's lowering of the helmet and going in with the crown on um, Giovanni Bernard was also a flag and a hit that we should, you know, in this day and age, we shouldn't be seeing. But yeah. Joey Porter shouldn't be on the field. He shouldn't be on the <laughs> field just because, you know, he's not a head coach. He's not allowed to be there at all. Um, he was... Former Dolphin, he can do what he likes. Yeah. <laughs> There's all this talk about um, that he was trash-talking on, on the side is what's becoming out of all the Bengals team. I don't find it hard to believe. This is a man who jumped um, one of our tackles in Vegas with a bunch of mates. So, yeah. you know, he has a bit of history. Um, if he was given a game ball after the game by Mike Tomlin, I will be very disappointed. I, um, I don't think he was from what I've heard. I think he, they've they've denied it. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, nobody's really a winner in this game in terms of that. In terms of game itself, typical AFC North, very chippy, um, not a lot of offense. The Steelers... For, for a large part of this game, were controlled by the defense, and the frustrating thing is that the perfect pulled the, the Bengals back into this game. Yeah. You know, with the sack, but you know he was tackling. He was sort of really almost you know pulled them on his back, and then you had the ridiculous charging off down the field and into the into the locker room because you know he thought he'd won it. The whole implosion in the last few minutes, and just a bit of steady steadiness after the offense found a way. McCarron, after not playing great for three quarters, got things moving, found AJ Green for that go-ahead touchdown, and, and it was terrible. I spent three quarters going, oh, God, not again, not again, not again. Then things started to turn around, and I began to hope. And, you know, and then it's like that whole thing where touchdown goes in, yes, 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 and I'm sitting there going, still time to go for it for it to go wrong, because I'm a Bengals fan, and I've seen this before, but I was just <laughs> not expecting it. Again and in that way. Yeah, Roethlisberger was uh, quite banged up, wasn't he? He spent some time on the sidelines. I think he's out this week, isn't he? Yeah, they're talking about him taking mental reps. I'm, I'm just not sure what extent um, the shoulder injury is, and therefore if there's any chance for him to come back. He's one of those players that's quite often will just tell you what's going on, and he does seem to be a, have played through a huge range of, of of what sound like quite debilitating injuries but whether he'll be yeah. able to go this weekend and throw the ball I don't know no I don't I don't think he will personally going back to that that particular incident the uh, the, the Vontae's perfect I'm sorry I'm gonna have to um was it was quite a big uh, thing for those who haven't seen the game the Bengals were 16-15 uh, wasn't it um, yeah 16-15 up um and the frustrating thing was they had the ball and basically had to run the clock out um, yeah. And, you know, you, the first culprit of, of sort of like the people they're talking about was um, Jeremy Hill, who thought rather than going down after getting his six yards, was fighting for extra yardage and fumbled the ball, which has been a bit of a problem over the season. The yeah. Steelers are trying to drive. Um, Roethlisberger has been out the game for a large chunk of time and Jarvis Jones has been playing, but comes in for this final series. And that sort of makes you go, oh, here we go. And throws a deep ball to Antonio Brown. I'm not sure the ball's catchable, which is one of the big problems with this whole thing, is that, yes, you've got to make a play, but you've almost got to break up the pass or, or you know, strip it when he gets there. And the, it, mm. and it's still a long field goal. But Vontes Berthick couldn't get out and Antonio Brown ducked, ducked his head. And, yeah, it was definitely shoulder to head and and knocked him out. Personally, having, looked, having watched it myself quite a few times, I thought the first time I watched it, I thought it looked like a nailed on penalty. I've seen those flagged a hundred times, but actually, the more I look at it, the more I watch the, um, the how things unfolded. I kind of think that Burfitt was potentially trying to get himself out of the way so he didn't do more damage than he than he did. Um, 
a bit harsher into I think end up with a, with a three game penalty off the back of it but uh, yeah that'll obviously be served by him next season unfortunately yeah I mean I, the, the, the club wants him to appeal the three the three games is about the fact that he I mean let's not mince words this is a player with a history um, yeah. he was trying to tweak I think it was Greg Olsen's ankle last season that was known mm. injury so so this was it was give, it was three games given for the history he is a player that plays right on the edge and sort of 95% of what he does is brilliant and if you can just rein in the excesses and get him to toe the line a bit more I mean you have to play this game with aggression and an edge but he just keeps taking it too far which in fairness is why he wasn't drafted he was an unsigned free agent for a reason and it was the number of personal or fouls that he gave away in college well um like we say, it will be the uh, the Steelers that are uh, moving on to a game this weekend uh, in the divisional um, games. Unfortunately for uh, for you guys, that's the last time we can uh, let you talk about the Bengals. Unfortunately, so I'm glad you've had a good go today. Um, the first of the games on Sunday was the Seattle Seahawks at the Minnesota Vikings. What an end to a game! It was it was a, it, the game ended ten nine. Um, to the Seahawks, so the Seahawks are, uh, are going through again. Um, it was the third coldest game in NFL history. Um, even the, the ceremonial horn, that's what she said, uh, froze uh, and broke pre-game, which was uh, quite a strange thing for NFL.com uh, to report on. Um, but the end of the game is going to go down as the thing that will, it will the game will be remembered for. It was 10-9 with 25 seconds to go um, to the Seahawks. Uh, Vikings had a, got a short 27-yard field goal, uh, which probably would have taken the game. Um, looked to, for all intents and purposes like a, like an easy just just a chip of a of a kick. Um, he's probably put a thousand of them through, uh, but Blair Walsh uh, hooked it to the left and lost in the game. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this game because you know lots of defense and none of this namby pamby throwing stuff. It was you know <laughs> two two really strong defenses playing well, and it was so close. And the Vikings should have won it. And one of those franchises where they they they've had quite a few of these sort of tortured last minute losses over the years and mm. the Seahawks were a little lucky to win it to be honest they got very little going on offense um all all game um the sort of the two obvious or there's a few sort of big plays that came come to mind for the Seahawks there was um that Baldwin one-handed catch which was Beckham-esque yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's just stick one hand out, up, up out the air and corral it in. Um, and he caught yeah. another one off play action. And then the big one that everybody's talking about, which sort of got the drive started for the touchdown, was um, a bad snap that, that um, Russell Wilson wasn't expecting. It goes over his shoulder, back about 20 yards. And this is the kind of play that only Russell Wilson goes back. He goes down yeah. and doesn't just dive on the ball and have it squirt away or kill the play. Um, he's turning to face it. He takes a look. No one's near him, so he gets up, scrambles a bit to his right, and somehow manages to find a receiver in the middle of the field. And suddenly yeah. they've made 20, 20 yard yards rather than losing them. And, and it was sort of, you know, basically that and a turn, and they got that touchdown. But it's in, you know, at the end of the game, they let Bortles throw a bit more because they were really committed to the run, the Vikings. And Peterson really wasn't getting that much done. Another fumble in the cold. And that final play, Bortles. Um, who isn't playing because it's Teddy Bridgewater. I've got to stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But Teddy Bridgewater, you know, gets them moving down the field, gets them in the field goal range, and yeah, that kick, I mean, that poor kicker. 
He's gonna be. He's gonna be absolutely well. For want of a better term, he's gonna be kicking himself. He's gonna. He's, assuming he doesn't miss. Yeah, it's gonna be one of those <laughs> ones that he's 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 got. A, I mean, that's just gonna haunt him for life. It's gonna be one of those yeah. those things that's gonna follow him. Oh well, from what I, from I can't remember who it was that was saying it, but it's somebody um, who's played with him was saying he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in football. Um, so it, it hurts even more that it was him that uh, that did it. Yeah, and and after the game, he stayed and answered all the questions of reporters. Refused to put any blame because there was some talk that the um, sort of the laces were facing laces. inwards and it wasn't the best hold. And he refused to blame anybody else than himself and said, "No, I just missed it." So you know, stand up mm. guy, and and you really hope for better. But yeah, it's a him. cruel, cruel game. Yeah, well, despite the fact that the uh, it was the first time Seahawks have been shut out in the first half since their their conference game last uh, last last year against the Packers, they managed to pick up the win on this one. It was ten nine, and they'll be uh, be going on to the divisional, uh, which we'll get onto in a little while. So the final game, Sunday night's game, was Washington playing Green Bay. Um, Thirty five points to eighteen. This one ended. It was uh, the 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 Packers kind of ran away with it. Um, Washington took an early lead, but the Packers really got kind of managed to pull themselves back into it and really pulled away again in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It was really close for free for game for three quarters. The thing that worried me early was that, um, first of all, there was a safety, and that's good. I do like a safety, as, as you well know. Um, <laughs> but they got a second turnover and and drove, but couldn't get couldn't get the touchdown and just came away with a field goal, and that immediately worried me a little bit. Because suddenly it's only five, you know, it's only five points instead of it really could have been um, nine. And then um, the first quarter just didn't really work for Green Bay's offense. Both defenses played well for a lot of the game, but the Green Bay offense really struggled in the first quarter. And in the second quarter, um, Aaron Rodgers got the first of, he got the Washington offense, or sorry, defense a couple of times with his hard snap counts and getting them to jump early and getting offsides and yeah. free plays. And, and he almost sparked the offense with one of them in the second quarter and then they began to work out personnel groupings and things that caused Washington problems and got the game close and then yeah it was a really nice close back and forth tight game until um, really sort of heading towards the end of the fourth quarter when the defence just kept playing for the Packers and the Washington team stalled well another uh, another one for the uh, the quarterbacks Kirk Cousins despite the fact they, they, they'd lost and they only got 18 points managed a really good game 329 yards um, but he did fumble it three times and he was and, and was sacked six times by that that Packers defense, really, really good day for them. Yeah, I mean, he was just under pressure, and and, and you know he 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 got the ball knocked off out of him um, a couple of times, and you know he managed to recover one, but you know knocked it over a couple more, and and. <sighs> The problem is, it was almost pocket awareness at times as well. There was, I, I clearly remember one where um, there was space to step forward in the pocket, and he didn't because he was just had his eyes downfield and didn't feel the pressure coming and got sacked. Well, uh, yeah, like you say, another good game. The Packers will be going through uh, to the uh, to the divisional games, and uh, I think they they could do quite well. I think, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. It's a fumble. Right, as you know, my colleague G here is the editor of TheWrongFootball.com and it's that time again to have a look at what he's been writing about this week. Uh, we spoke about it on last week's podcast and uh, we've, we've kind of talked about it again a bit uh, today. Uh, but uh, you got some more of your thoughts on the hirings and firings of the, uh, of the GMs and head coaches, uh, specifically around the Browns and their potential change in direction more 
uh, going towards an analytical uh, kind of way of thinking. What's your your thoughts on that? I, my main thing for is that um, it gives me a little bit of hope for the Browns, just in that they've been they've tried a number of of, of things. They had Mike Holgram there as GM for a bit, and they've tried football expertise, but. My worry is that they won't commit to it, but at least yeah. the, with the two hirings they've made, they're clearly saying, okay, we're going to take an analytical approach. And if they have a clear idea of what they're going to do and they stick to it, then that at least gives them a, you know, a plan and a direction moving forward. And there's been so much dysfunction and this and that, and, and I quite like the idea that they, they're saying, we're going to be in an analytics team. This is going to help us pick the right players in the draft. And they've been really bad at that over the last few years. Is um, Hugh Jackson, there's already talk about um, Johnny Manziel going. And, and this wasn't so much including the blog. But it's just this idea of, of having a coach coming in and deal with that. But that, that there be a structure in the front office is for acquiring players. Well, things have kind of moved on, I suppose, since you did do the uh, the blog at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, things are moving so quickly. Um, obviously, I, I mean, I did also move on to talk about situations, which I think I mentioned on the pod last week, you know, the stuff in going on in Indianapolis, which I thought was really strange. And yeah. we both got proved wrong. And I, I covered this in the um, um, and the blog as well. But um, when, by the time, when we were recording the podcast and we were talking about coaches on the hot seat, we failed to spot mm. Lovey Smith who got fired that evening he did literally I believe while we were recording he uh, managed to get himself uh, himself fired so yeah and the oh, interesting well, thing about go. that was that it was um, pretty much the rumours I heard was that the Bucks had had approaches about their offensive coordinator um, they were very mm. happy with um, the first year of their rookie quarterback and the last thing they wanted to do was put him through a new coordinator off, after a first promising season and there's strong rumours that he's actually going to get the head coaching job plus yeah. the Bucks were not good on defence this year again and that is meant to be Lovey Smith's side of the ball and, and so they look to be going somewhere else Is there uh, anything you're particularly looking forward to, to watching this week or talking about this week? On the blog. I'm looking I'm probably going to write something it's been a strange few few days as both a Bengals fan and a music fan between between Lemmy's funeral for Bengals disaster and then Bowie's death on Monday it's been it's been a, kind of a tough few days oh, what a week yeah, yeah. so um, I think there's going to be something about sort of like I know that it was a lot of talk or, or some talk at least about people being surprised at the reaction to Bowie's death and sort of like a public grieving comment about that. And there's also, mm. I thought I'd try, tie that in with some of why it's acceptable to be the level of upset and commitment you have to a sports franchise and just something to do with that. It's per- perkling in the back of my head as well as very much looking forward to these, these round of divisional games, which should be crackers. Well, I look forward to it. For, uh, so for all that and much more, make, make sure you check out the blog at thewrongfootball.com. Are you ready for some football? Okay, so we're going to head on to the divisional weekend this weekend. So the uh, the games this weekend, we've got the... Uh, let's have a look at the AFC first. Uh, so Saturday's AFC game is the Kansas City Chiefs uh, heading to New England to face the Patriots. Um, I said before, the Kansas City Chiefs are the team I would really like to see um, make it through at least to the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think they've got every chance. I think the the Patriots are certainly beatable. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people over here have a, sort of seem to have adopted the Chiefs after the London game. Um, yeah, they've got a great defense. Um, things have been going really well. Um, the Macklin injury could really hurt them, though. Um, Looks like it isn't as bad with his knee. We're talking about a high ankle sprain, but I'm, I'm not sure how much he'll play. Mm. And a lot of people have seemed very confident that um, 
the Patriots are going to have all their players back, and certainly with the skilled players, that looks likely. But the, the real problem has been that they're, um, they're, they've just had so many problems on the offensive line. They've had so many problems protecting Tom Brady, who's taken a lot of hits this season, which is unusual for him. Mm. And this defense gets after the quarterback. And yeah. Brady all across the board, the I mean, yeah, the big, the big. The big focus is on Houston and Ali, but actually their you know, their actual defensive linemen are really good. Dontari Poe is one of my favourite um players. And and I just yeah, it should be a really interesting game and I, I think we're gonna know fairly early on how it's gonna go. Yeah, yeah. Because it, because if the Patriots come out and look like the Patriots, then you you bat them to win at home. But if they're the Patriots that we've seen for the last couple of weeks and they've not and yes, they've been playing possum a bit, but also they are banged up on the offensive line. Then we could get an upset, maybe. I'd love to see that personally. Um, the the second game in the AFC is um, this is the Sunday game. It's the Steelers uh, heading to Denver to face against the face of the Broncos. Um, oh, I, I think this is going to be a really cracking game. Yeah, it's just we don't know which quarterback we're going to get. Um, obviously, Antonio Brown's in concussion protocol. There's some talk about him being being available and which worries me that's the kind of thing that always worries me about this stuff it's like I don't believe you get over a concussion in a week no. I'm not saying that everybody has the problems I had with my concussion but with all that we know I'm surprised that on top of the concussion protocol there aren't some kind of mandatory rest periods it it you know it is a worry mm. and with that defense the Steelers if they if they're playing a backup quarterback that defense of the Steelers can be got after but then the Broncos have struggled I, I think it's going to be a tight game either way unless Steelers come out all guns blazing and do something spectacular against against a defense which is very very good but you, you just don't see it as likely because even with those receivers Denver has the defense to match up with them in the secondary I think the Steelers will go for it personally I think they're going to really really want to challenge this game and, and, and really go for it like you say from the start um, how successful they are is going to, is going to be another matter um, personally I, I would if I'm picking this one I'm, I would pick the Broncos um, but it's it's going to be a good one I'm quite looking forward to watching this on Sunday or probably Monday by the time I get a chance to watch it I'm really looking forward to all four games but you know in both of these I'm just not sure on one team which team is turning up and the other thing is how fit is Manning um can he can he throw the ball? Will he look good? Will he run the team? Can he do it in crunch time? Big questions to be answered. Very Sunday. much so. <laughs> Moving on to the NFC, then the first game is the Green Bay Packers against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals were pretty much the form team towards the end of the last season. Um, they were really looking very very good. Um, I'd like to see them do quite well, but I, again, you don't. It's Another time, another team where you don't know which team's going to turn up with the Packers. The Cardinals beat the Packers quite well a few weeks ago, mm. and the Packers' offense still isn't convincing me. Um, Washington predominantly play a zone scheme, and what the Packers really have had a problem against is is man coverage because their receivers can't seem to get open. And the Cardinals are going to be very aggressive. They're going to blitz, um, and I'm not sure that that line is. You know, Aaron Rodgers was still pressured a lot last week, and I think that Arizona um, can can get after them, and they're moving the ball. If if they can protect Carson Palmer, and they've done a good job this year, they've got the deep strikes against that Green Bay secondary. I still, 
Arizona are one of my favorite teams teams to make the Super Bowl, and I think they will win this game. Yeah, I would love I would love a, a Cardinals Chiefs Super Bowl. Am I allowed to say anybody but the Steelers? Of course you are. Of course, <laughs> neutrality has, has no uh, no worth here. It's fine. Um, the second game, the final game of the uh, of this round, is the Seahawks visiting the Panthers, uh, going to Carolina again. Carolina Panthers, another team that looked devastating last season, all bar in you know bar one game. Um, yeah, good game again. Another another time though, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to you really wouldn't want to be facing the Seahawks. Yes, and no. The Seahawks have just played in a freezing cold game. You know, it's a very physical, yeah. tough game. Whilst the Panthers have been sat at home, resting up, you know, working on the game plan. That defense is as well equipped as anybody to deal with with a passing attack that's suddenly blooming just because they're so good in pass coverage. And it's going to be a great battle between that sort of the run game of the. Carolina Panthers versus the very good um, front seven of the Seattle defense. And it's yeah. going to be a bruising encounter, but I'm really looking forward to this game. It's going to be very physical, I would imagine. And I fancy the Panthers to win it just because the Seahawks can't keep winning these games on these bits of luck. That's not to say that, they, that, that they're lucky and they don't deserve it, but just, you know, with, with be it, be it for sort of the immaculate reception game they won against the Packers last season, or or they really should have lost last week, and then and then you know the, op- the opposition misses the field goal. I just think then, are we really going to see a team go to a third straight Super Bowl? I just think the Panthers have been so good all year, and that they're going to come out in this one. I'd like them not to. I'd like the Panthers to win this. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure which way I can see it going. Either way, it's going to be a good weekend of football. I felt that one way up here. Well, that's it for episode 13 of the Wrong Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 14, looking back at the divisional games and ahead to the conference championship matches. In the meantime, remember to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Wrong Football, get involved in a bit of banter at the TWF Facebook page, and check out the blog, www.therongfootball.com. If there's anything you want us to discuss next week, please drop us a line, uh, email to twf podcast at outlook.com thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next week i am not your performing monkey